And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to me, I guess. I took last week off, uh, not necessarily expectedly, but nonetheless, it is what happened. Uh, am I loaded up with excuses for you? No. Let me see if I can make up some on the fly, though. So let me see. If I was going to come up with excuses, well, I, I kind of alluded to the fact that maybe I would take Monday off uh, last week, which would have been, what, the 22nd? Uh, you know, the, the, the summer schedule is a little bit tricky and trying to get some, uh, I have this weird thing where I really just like to be alone in the house recording a podcast and usually it's no big deal, but during the summer, my wife's home and it's like, you know, it's, it's not that she's here. It's that it's somebody else here. Somebody who's listening to me as I record this thing. I don't do a lot of edits, but I still fuck up from time to time where I say things like, Man, I'm glad I don't have to look anybody in the eye while while they're hearing that. <laughs> like I can just throw it out there and then forget I said it and then not get any feedback on it until somebody emails me on it and be like, "Oh yeah, I did say that, didn't I?" It's just a little bit, little bit easier if I don't have that live reaction and I'll, I'll take a pause in the recording and I'll hear her like, "Did you really say that?" I'm like, "Oh shit, yeah." So um, it's just easier during the uh, during the school year. For, for a lot of reasons, but, uh, so Monday was going to be kind of hit or miss just based on scheduling and how things shook out and they ended up not happening. And then Thursday, uh, if the, if I'm going to come up with an excuse here or Friday, rather Thursday night, um, Taz got sprayed by a skunk, um, like directly in the face, uh, which how you doing, buddy? Let's talk to him about it. Where did he go? He was just in. Oh, he's right behind me. Hey, um, so Taz, hold on. Let's. Uh, can we get Can we get a comment from you? Hold on. Um, so you got sprayed by a skunk on Thursday night, and I still I still smell it for sure. So do you have any thoughts about that? Here, do you want to say anything to the people out there? He's pretty quiet on the subject. He's uh, he's a man of few words. So. Uh, I gave him the opportunity. I was kind of surprised. I shoved the mic in his face, and he didn't go away from it. It's like he was thinking about saying something, but uh, he 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 thought better of it. He's like, no, anything I say at this point is just going to incriminate me further. So, um, yeah, he went after it. I believe um, the skunk got the worst of it. Um, he did because when he sees, you know, he is a sweet little guy, but he he's kind of a hunter by nature. I mean, he's a cattle dog, so it's his in his nature to herd things. But if they're little, I don't know if he interprets those as being something that could be like a threat to the herd. But he will take it out. Um, squirrels, chipmunks, uh, he will go after them, and he he just goes for the neck. He kills it, and then he leaves it be for me to clean up. It's not like he makes a giant mess out of it and. Uh, you know, gets bloody carcass parts all over the place. I mean, I've never, I, I've seen him kill, I don't know, a handful of things, four or five little critters that he's actually caught. Um, never seen a drop of blood anywhere. He just bites it, breaks the neck, done. And then he moves on. This has gotten kind of, this took kind of a morbid turn really early. Yikes. Um, so he went for the skunk in much the same way. The skunk, of course, fought back a little bit, sprayed him right in the face, got him right in the eye. He still got the skunk, and I could see it really like struggling on the ground as we were tending to him, and he, he left it there and ran away. He's like, oh, God, I'm doing a regret. Uh, but the, the skunk limped away. I don't know. It, it may have died later on. I'm not sure. I, I really feel kind of gross about it. Um, but nonetheless, he was walking around, and he had a... Uh, <laughs> He had his eyes shut for a little while, and he was rolling around trying to, like, rub it on the ground and, like, pawing at it. And uh, you could tell it was really bothering him. But the amazing thing, you know, we, we rinsed it out um, just with water. I mean, that's all you can really do if it's in his eyes. Just flush it with water as best you can. And he kind of stood there and let us do it. 
Uh, and uh, within about 30 or 40 minutes, uh, it was like nothing happened. I mean, except for the awful smell. But uh, as far as his eye was concerned, like he was opening it, it was just fine. He looked normal. There was no redness or anything like that. So that was great. And then we gave him a little bath, and then we've been brushing him and spraying him down with like essential oil and vinegar, trying to <laughs> help it out a little bit. And it's, it's slowly improving. But uh, anyway, th- there was that drama. And then waking up on Friday just to make sure it was okay. It threw my schedule off a little bit. I didn't sleep all that well because also um, he stinks and, you know, that's my boy. I'm not going to make him sleep outside or anything like that. He wouldn't know what to do with himself. So, of course, he had to sleep inside. So, um, yeah, <laughs> so it was a little bit of a little bit of a rough night. <laughs> Get up and leave the room a couple times or have him leave the room. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, it threw me off my game a little bit and there you go. So I will, uh, I will save the rest of the, uh, personal update because there is one to talk about here in a little bit. And we're going to talk about a couple of different topics today. I want to revisit progressive overload just because if there's one topic that we could talk about on this podcast every week and still get something useful out of it, I think it's that I'm going to talk about my daily average macro planning tool that I'm using right now and explain how I put together my macros and my meal plan for the week. Um, and then, um, I'm going to start a, a new segment here that will not be every week, but, uh, we'll, we'll come back to it regularly, which is going to be a TV update. Um, because, uh, you know, for all the avid Netflixers, Amazon Prime, and Hulu watchers out there, uh, you know, we, we got some stuff to talk about. I'm going to let you uh, bring you up to speed on what I'm watching and give you, you know, hard, soft recommendations, etc. So maybe an occasional movie in there, too. So uh, I want to start, however, with a voicemail that we have here. So let us jump right in. Hey, Darren, this is Emily calling from Eugene, Oregon, and I was just re-listening to, I don't know what episode of the drop set, but it was about logging your workout, and I thought that I would give you a call and um, remind listeners out there that perfectionism in the gym when it comes to uh, what we have set out for number of reps and number of sets is not a good thing necessarily. So the way that I track and log my workouts, I typically uh, do a weight, and then I let myself know for the next day that I do that same workout. So I'm doing chest, and I pick out a weight, like 55 pounds or something like that. And if it's too light, I do a little arrow next to it saying, okay, next time you do this workout, increase the weight. But having re-listened to that last episode of yours, I realized I should be doing that with every set, Oh yeah, <laughs> which is going to maybe make you kind of mad. But um, I'm going to be mixing up the way that I approach my workouts and um, try and increase the weight if it uh, feels like it needs it um, each time I approach the, the, uh, the workout. So um, that will change up the way that I do things. I'm kind of a perfectionist, and I think that, well, if I say I'm going to do – 12 reps of this, I need to make 12 reps, but that kind of attitude um, is kind of holding me back a little bit, as you know. So um, just thought I'd share that. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. I mean, that's a really, really good point that Emily has there. So perfection is not necessarily a good thing. I'd say that is, um, we we could apply that to a few different uh, facets of the conversation here. So, uh, you know, perfect form, all well and good at some point, but if you can complete every rep with perfect form, chances are you're probably not pushing hard enough. And then also numerical perfection. And this is where, you know, I think bodybuilding, not universally, but a lot of people who are type A and a little OCD are drawn to bodybuilding because they see it as an outlet that kind of plays to their strengths, which truth be told, it is absolutely. 
This is uh, something that really benefits tremendously, especially if you want to do something with your life that's not exclusively bodybuilding. You know, you want to do something else like me. You know, you want to work on music. You want to, um, you know, do, you know, sustain other hobbies, et cetera. You have a family to take care of. Maybe this isn't your job as well, so you've got that as well. So you need to be able to be efficient in order to manage a lot of these things. So there's a lot of that type A scheduling skill set that can come into play here. So a lot of people are drawn to that because... Uh, they, they know that it, it plays well to something that they are good at and something that they enjoy doing, like being really efficient with your time, pushing yourself hard, maybe coming onto the verge of overextending yourself, but being able to keep it together. Um, and if you can thrive in circumstances like that, then this is absolutely for you, which is not to say if you can't thrive in circumstances like that, this isn't for you. Uh, but clearly, you know, if, if you like stressing, tr- stretching yourself a little bit, and you enjoy the organizational challenge of it, great. And especially just with like meal prep, you know, weighing things out precisely, etc. Where that starts to be a little bit of a problem is um, with your workouts because you can't put everything in a nice, neat, little, perfect box and come up with an algorithm that should dictate, okay, this is the right weight for this set, and now I will stay here, and I will do this, and this will all be uniform, and all of my reps will look perfect, etc. No, it doesn't really work like that. Long term, if you want to have sustainable progress and results over a long period of time, you've got to be able to break yourself out of that shell a little bit and embrace approximation and embrace the word about. You're doing a set of 12. No, you're doing a set of about 12. Uh, you you want to uh, drop that down and, and figure out a, you know, a good weight for a set of eight. No, a good weight, a good weight for a set of about eight is what you're looking for there. So in embracing that sometimes if you target eight reps and you only get seven, that might be even more perfect than if you got eight, because it means that you are challenging yourself. Because a lot of what people do is they also misinterpret what failure means, which is why when I program workouts, I rarely rely on a rep target that just reads failure. Um, cause I, have seen, um, posts from people on social media, like here's my workout log. I took every set to failure. Bull fucking shit. You didn't take every set to failure. And if you did, you, you would probably look different than you do. <laughs> it's just no, 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 no. You no. And also if you are taking everything to failure, like legitimately you're doing it wrong. Um, and you're going to burn out and you've got no longevity in this at all. So enjoy what's going on right now because it won't last because you you will not not survive for the long haul. So um, failure is something, however, where I think most of us, especially the the type A OCD people, have these set points in our head where if something says failure, I think most people will automatically assume that to mean fifteen. <laughs> That's 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 a guess in mind, but that's what I'm thinking. I know whenever I see it, that's what I think. I think 15. And so the way I do this, and so now we are we are slowly but surely kind of transitioning into our more general um, progressive overload update here. And and you know th- this is it ties in really nicely with what Emily had to say. Um, so what I do there is you know if I'm targeting something to failure, well. You know, there, there should be some kind of a target along with that, like, you know, moderate weight, heavyweight, lightweight. You know, does failure mean you want something in the 5 to 10 range, something in the 10 to 20 range, or something in the 25 plus range? You know, I mean, there's all kinds of ways to do that. Um, 
and sometimes it's not specified. And so you just kind of have to make an assumption. Like, you know, typically it's going to be higher rep. Like you're not going to say, I want you to go to failure, but really I want you something in like the three to five range. No, no. If you're going to do that, you say three to five, you don't say failure. So usually failure is going to be a higher number. And I would say somewhere around 20 because um, that is high enough that it's going to pull just about everybody outside of their rep comfort zone. Uh, and so like for me, that's 15 for you, it might be 12. Like what is the number that you think of when you see the word failure? Don't lie. I know you've got a number in your head. Everybody does just, what is it? And what I would do is take that number and add five to that. And that's your new threshold for failure, um, without necessarily adjusting what the weight that you would use is, because I think you can probably eke out more ugly reps than you probably think you're capable of. And you will get a lot, a lot of mileage uh, and additional growth out of doing that and embracing that concept. So what I do when something says failure and I'm going to log it in my workout book, you know, I will say whatever the weight was and then superscript the rep number that I got on top of that. And invariably the first one is, you know, you know where this is going. The first rep number for the first set of failure is almost always going to be 15 for me because I will find a way to make it feel like failure at 15. Not necessarily a good thing. I'm not saying that that is a good skill. I'm saying that is my mutant superpower that I wish I could turn off. Now, what that means is, when in terms of progressive overload, if we're targeting failure, what I'm more interested in, rather than adjusting the weight up, is getting additional reps out of that. So then for my next set, I'm going to target like 16 or 17. And if I can do the same weight with a similar quality of rep and bang out a couple additional reps, great. And then the next set, I'm going to target 17, 18. Awesome. So then the next week, I'm going to try and bump those numbers up from there. And so I'm going to be progressing on reps um, because that's where your ambiguous target is. And I would say if, you, if you've got a weight dialed in where you are legitimately struggling and really like fighting for life around like 15, 16, 17. That's great. And after four weeks, what I'd like you to do is be really struggling and fighting for life around reps 17, 18, 19, 20, something like that. If you can do that, that is awesome. That is still progressive overload. So progressive overload is not always just weight. Um, it can be reps as well. And it can be other things, but those are the two things that are the most uh, basic to quantify. Everything else gets a little bit too nebulous. One of my favorite words. Things like uh, quality of contraction. You know, uh, did you really, really squeeze those reps hard? Oh, I did? Okay, well, how are you going to note that? You know, parenthetical note, really squeezed hard here. Okay, well, oh, what is that? what's that going to mean to you when you come back to that next week? Um, or, you know, well, I adjusted the tempo and I slowed down a little bit. Okay, well, make a parenthetical note about that. Slowed down a little bit. Well, slow down compared to what? You know, and also, I find that when we're in the moment, we are poor self-judges of our own tempo. And I see this all the time, um, especially if you don't have a lot of experience with tempo, or even if you do, because I find myself guilty of this as well. And if you scroll through my Instagram feed, you'll find several posts from me over the years where, and I don't encourage you to do that, by the way, because that's an exercise in boredom right there. But you'll find several posts where I'm posting a video and it was supposed to be something that was a certain tempo and I'll have a comment appended to it that says something like, this felt a lot slower and I can see here it's rushed. And that's one of the main reasons why it's really, really useful to capture some video. Um, so you can check yourself on that tempo because when you're doing it, when you're actually squeezing out the reps, you know, you count out that four second negative. It's one, two, three, four. Mm, those aren't seconds, buddy. You know, it's one, two, three four. But do you count 
that slow when you're actually struggling against weight, you speed everything up. So you've got to train yourself to slow that down a little bit. So I think um, tempo is also a nebulous concept to try and um, incorporate into progressive overload. I mean, certainly use it with your training, absolutely. But as far as saying, well, next week I'm going to use the same weight, but I'm going to slow my tempo down a little bit. Mm, Yeah. And if you want to go from a three-second negative to a four-second negative, uh, go for it. But don't think that that alone is going to suffice for uh, progressive overload just because it it probably isn't. I think your your ability to dictate a one-second adjustment in your tempo mid-set is pretty difficult from week to week. So I don't think that's super helpful. But I had um, a lot of good um, response from the Progressive Overload blog post that I put up. That would have been, uh, what, two Fridays ago. And if you haven't read that, you can just go to 5starphysique.com or thedropset.com. Click on the uh, menu option that says blog. It's the first post up there. It might not be at this point. It depends on if the um, podcast episodes get put on there. Do they? I don't think they do. I don't think they do. I need to, uh, you know, I should know my own website. I built it. I wrote it, the whole damn thing from scratch. So if you click on blog, okay, no, no podcast here. So um, yeah, the first thing there is progressive overload explained. And so I did this write up and um, uh, really, really dug in on some examples. And one of the things where I think people have a pretty easy time grasping it is the, the concept of progressive overload from week to week. But what I'm really hammering home here also is set to set progressive overload is probably more important. And if you don't believe me, I mean, just, you know, you you can go to bodybuilding.com and look at any of the workout programs that they have written up from, you know, people like, you know, Chris Gethins or whoever. Um, And this is one of the the basic fundamental tenets of any program that is offered with some explicit instruction um, is, you know, progress from uh, progress up in weight from set to set what that means it, the the primary thing that I want to take away from this is you are not coming in on the first set at your max weight if you are first of all higher risk of injury second of all it's not your max weight because you aren't warmed up yet you might think it is but then you start there and you're like all right that's my max so I'm just gonna stay here you're capable of more you you really are but you should start out a little lower and what that does, I want you to set the bar um, in your first set for what quality reps feel like. And then as you increase the weight, I want you to try and maintain that standard. So let's say just to keep numbers nice and round, you would, before hearing this and before um, having your eyes opened to the possibilities of set-to-set progressive overload, you might have jumped into an exercise that was programmed for four sets at 100 pounds. Just randomly throw that out there. So you do, all right, 100 for 10 reps, four sets, sweet, moving on. Okay, let's, let's come back at that now and try it a little bit differently. And this may result in a small step back at first, and that is okay because you will take one step back so you can take many, many many steps forward because this is a learning experience and this is uh, improving your skill set. And I tell you, if you take anything from any of the 132, I think, episodes of this podcast, this is the most important take-home point out of anything. If you can change the way you lift from this, it is going to open up the biggest box of possible gains for you down the road. If there's anything that I have that's close to a secret, this is it. It's just not a secret. Uh, a lot of people do it, 
uh, but once you start this, just the way that your body feels and the way that it will change um, will, will both uh, be very different going forward. And that is, so let, let's, this, this example here where we're going to an exercise, four sets of 10, we just jump into 100 reps, bang it out, move on. Okay, so let's, let's go into an alternate universe where we're handling things a little bit differently here. What I want you to do is approach that and instead of coming at it for 100 pounds, try and come at it and set it for 80 something like that. Back down a little bit. You're coming at it from not your max weight because, you know, 100 was your max weight before, right? Okay. So I want you to come at it uh, with 80 pounds. And what I want you to do is make sure that the reps are really high quality. And what does that mean? It means full range of motion. It means you get a good solid stretch, a hard squeeze, you know, obeying any um, uh, uh, directives in the workout programming that might say, you know, uh, partial stretch only, avoid lockout, no max squeeze, anything like that, whatever. So, um, but really, really good textbook reps that could, uh, you know, something where if you sent it to me, I'd be like, you know what, that is awesome. I'm now using that as my example video, video for that exercise going forward. Perfect. Sweet. That's what I'm looking for. High quality repetitions, range of motion, hard contraction, solid form. Maybe, you know, the last rep or two are starting to look a little imperfect. That would be okay. But, you know, it's your submax weight. And realistically, here's, here's the dirty secret between you and me. 100 pounds was your submax weight also. You just didn't realize it. So, um, so 80 pounds is going to feel like, oh, okay, this is pretty easy. I can bang out 10. They look perfect. Great. Okay, cool. Next set, 90. All right, cool. Do, 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 do. All right, cool. Still pretty good. You know, this is still my submax weight, so I got this. And then you go to 100. All right, well, this is the weight that you've been at before. Now, you are going to have a mental block when you get to 100. You're going to think, like, this is my max weight. So, naturally, my form, now that I'm here, and, you know, this is my third set. So, oh, boy, okay. So, I'm going to be feeling it a little bit. I'm already a little fatigued. No, don't think of it that way. Think of it as you're not fatigued. You're warmed up now. You're ready to go. You've got the efficiency and the mechanics of this movement dialed in. You are ready for some high-quality execution on these reps. So, 100 pounds, dial it in, bang it out. I think you're going to find that you have a pretty easy time keeping those reps looking really, really stellar. So now, fourth set, 110. There we go. Um, so we started sub-max, but now we're finishing a little bit higher, 110. And I think what you'll find is that you can make those reps look pretty much every bit as good as they did at 100. Um, and uh, assuming you don't really rush the tempo and start cheating reps or anything like that, it gets really ugly. Um, what you've done now is on your final set, you've done more work than you did than you would have on your final set beforehand. And so maybe you did a little less work on the first two sets, but that's okay. You know, we're giving ourselves a little bit of time. We're, we're going we're gonna to build that up too. Um, <clears throat> now, if you progress through that 80, 90, 100, 110, there may be rare examples out there where you go to do 110 and your form just breaks down and everything turns to shit. I really, really doubt it. I would be really surprised. If this is a new concept to you, I think you're going to find that that weight moves pretty easily. So then the next time you come back to approach it, and clearly this whole game changes a little bit if we're talking smaller numbers. So if you're, if you're doing an exercise at 10 pounds, well, jumping up to 15 pounds, which might be your next increment, that's a 50% jump in weight. That's pretty big. If you're going from 100 to 110 pounds, that's a 10% jump in weight. So that is more realistic. Um, and, you know, maybe from 110, you go to 115 or something. So it's even a smaller percentage. But going from 10 to 15 to 20 to 25 over four sets, well, you've increased your weight by 250%. That's, <laughs> that's a big jump. And if you can do that, clearly 10 pounds was way too light, buddy. 
so this is where if you have a gym where you've got two and a half pound increment dumbbells, that can help tremendously. Also on some dumbbell exercises, it depends on what they are. They can be performed with plates as well. You don't need nice shiny handles to grab onto for your 10 pound dumbbell. Grab a 10 pound plate, grab a two and a half pound plate, stick your finger through the middle of them and you can, you know, you, you've got a makeshift weight that way as well. Sometimes we have to do ugly things in order to get the weights dialed in that we want. Um, alternatively, sometimes there, there may be a cable alternative for that exercise that lets you move up in slightly more gradual increments as well. Um, and again, if you're doing an exercise with 10 pound dumbbells, um, and then you move over to a cable and do the same thing, 10 pounds might not be the appropriate weight because cables versus free weights, there's not often direct transference or applicability of those numbers. 10 pounds on a, on a dumbbell is not necessarily going to feel like 10 pounds on a cable because of the physics and the, the, the dynamics involved. So don't sweat that. Go by how it feels. Like, okay, this 10-pound weight is uh, you know difficult. I can squeeze out 10 reps here, but it's challenging. And then you go over to a cable, set it for 10, you're like, I could do this all effing day. This is nothing. So clearly it's not the same 10 pounds. So bump it up and try to find that same spot there. But point being, if you've got lower raw numbers, then uh, a five pound increase is going to be a larger percentage of your weight there than it would be if you are at a much higher number, like 100 pounds. Uh, so again, going from 10 to 15, that's a 50% jump. Going from 100 to 105, that's a 5% jump. That's one-tenth the increase. So... Um, Use the math skills. Don't be afraid. Do a little bit of math in your head. We don't need precise calculations, but we need to be able to estimate and say like, oh yeah, that's a pretty big jump. Or, ooh, that's not a very big jump. And sometimes not very big jumps are the most appropriate kind. So another thing to consider there. Now, let's say we, we've done these four sets now, 80, 90, 100, 110, and everything felt pretty good. You know, 110, it was getting pretty tough there at the end, but you're like, man, okay, I hadn't done that before. I, I think I can uh, go up from here. So what do you do? Uh, and I, I've seen this on logs before where the next week they'll start at 110. No, same concept applies. You start at your submax weight and you scale it up. So it's going to move like a wave. What I would like to see um, for the next week, assuming that all goes to, according to plan, would be start at 90, then 100, then 110. And then we got to ballpark it. Like, okay, can we increase further from there or should we just try and do two sets at our new max weight? And I would say it depends on what that third set looked like. If it looked good, felt good, but was hard, which of course it should be, great. Hard is good. So bump it up, whatever the next option is. 115 might be appropriate, maybe 120. Shoot for the moon and try it. You know, worst case scenario, what's going to happen? You go to 120, you get two or three ugly reps, and you're like, okay, that was an overreach. Cool. Take a second to chill, dial it back to 110, get your last set. Um, so we'll call that a false start set. We're not going to count that. Um, but what if our rep set, our, our rep uh, target is 10 and we bump up to 120 and you're able to get eight or nine reps? That's a victory. You mark that as eight or nine reps, whatever it is. And then you think next week, okay, I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to try and bump up again a little bit and see if I can get the full 10 reps there at that final weight. So we've moved from 80, 90, 100, 110 up to 90, 100, 110, 120 but we didn't hit all the reps at 120. So now next week, what am I going to do? You know, I might start at 100. You know, th this is our old max, and now this is our warm-up weight. So 100, 
110, and then the question becomes, okay, do I do a second set at 110, or do I want to jump in and try my redemption set at 120 right now, which I would say err on the side of being aggressive, because you can always dial it back down a little bit on the final set if you have to. Um, so you do 120, and then there's two possible outcomes here. Um, we already did eight or nine reps last week uh, on our final set. So for our third set now, we're warmed up, we're in the zone. Um, I'm, I'm guessing you're probably going to be able to get nine or ten, um, which is great. Um, and if you get eight, you know, I'd say that's still fine. If you start to get seven, then we're getting dicey and we're getting into that territory of, okay, now should we back down a little bit? It's a tough call. There isn't really a right or wrong answer there. Um, but experiment and always just be aggressive and try it, try it for a few reps and see how it feels. Um, so let's say you get somewhere between eight and 10. So I would keep it right there for 120 again and see what you can do. And maybe you give yourself just a little bit of additional rest going into that final set and crank it out and see what you're capable of. That is what progressive overload is all about. And that is how we need to approach it. So I hope that helps a little bit. Like I said, this is, I, I would say without a doubt, like the most important uh, topic. If you're going to listen to me on anything, this is the one thing that I really want you wrapping your head around. So uh, super, super critical super critical. So, um, all right, we are going to switch gears now and we're going to go back and talk a little bit about, uh, my daily average macro planning tool, um, and, uh, dig, dig into what I did with my meal plan this week, just because, uh, you know, progressive overload is important, but also, um, macros and nutrition are important as well. And I think these are two topics that we really can't talk uh, too much about. Now, I'm not going to do this live. I already figured this out yesterday, but yesterday, so I'm using just to uh, bring people up to speed if you're not familiar here. Um, I'm using a meal prep company here, Clean Eats in Knoxville, uh, to provide two meals for me daily. So I order, you know, uh, on average week, somewhere between 13 and 15 meals a week, depending on if I have leftovers or if I'm short or whatever from the previous week. So, um, it's good because, uh, they provide a full macro matrix breakdown of all of their meals, which is great. Um, they include, uh, different options. This is starting to sound like a clean eats promotional thing right now. It is not, um, I've talked about that before. Uh, I, I, I dig them as a company. They're good. They, they do good work. Um, and, uh, they are responsive to feedback as well. Like they, they send out a macro matrix spreadsheet with their new menu every week. And a few weeks back, I found a whole bunch of errors in it. I'm like, yo, you got to fix this. And they did, which is cool. Um, so what they do, however, is they, they provide uh, multiple options for most of their meals. There's the standard option. There's an extra protein option. There's a half carb and a no carb option, a gluten free option. And for some meals, they're like, yeah, we don't have a half carb or a no carb option here. You know, if something is like a pizza, you know, that, then you know, that's not going to be your half carb or no carb meal. But they have a lot where they include rice or potatoes, and you can do half carb or no carb there. So uh, I like it because um, it's less meal prep for me. It's a little bit more expensive, but it's worth it, I think. Um, and, uh, so less meal prep, uh, everything is just in the fridge and ready to go, which is great. When it's time to eat, I just pull something out. It doesn't even matter what I stick it in the microwave and go, doesn't matter what. Yeah, exactly. Because of how I handle all the macros here, um, whatever meals I pick, it doesn't matter at all. Um, I found a way to simplify that a little bit. So it's, it's easier still. Um, and I open up my fitness pal once for the week and then I'm done. Um, just to, to figure out and square everything away. I might have to pull it back up to recheck a couple things, but you know, usually not. I can usually remember that. So um, 
what what else is good about them? Well, the variety. The, so the menu changes every week, which is nice. Um, you don't fall into the same um, patterns of eating the same stuff all the time, which I can do that. But during this phase, it's nice to not. You know, while I'm trying to focus on other stuff, you know, work has been a lot busier now um, than it has been before. So it's nice to be able to take a break, not have to worry about meal prep and just devote less time and energy into food and just know that everything's there. It's really cool. I get that it's a luxury to be able to do that. But if you have the option, I, I would suggest looking into it at least and see what companies are around um, that uh, provide this service in your area and just give it a shot or reach out to them and just try a couple meals here and there and see how it works for you. So, um, now, what I do, so they, they change their, their menu up on um, Thursdays when they send it out, and then Sunday is the day to order, and I always wait until Sunday to order just because then I know how many meals I'm going to need for the week, and so I tally it up. I pull up the macro um, matrix that they send out, and what I do is I plug these numbers into my own spreadsheet. So this is my daily average macro planner spreadsheet, which uh, if you want to email me and get your eyes on this thing and get a chance to use it yourself, uh, knock yourself out. Email me, Darren at fivestarfitness.com, or you can uh, contact me through the website, fivestarphysique.com. Click on contact and just tell me you're looking for the daily average macro planner. So, and I will send that to you. It is not pretty, um, but it is pretty easy to use. So, um, what, what I'm looking at here is I have um, some meal names. I need to color code these cells right here, really quick, actually, just to make this a little bit more obvious that it's waiting for input there. Okay. So, um, the, the clean eats menu um, has has six meals um, that come out every week. One of those is usually a breakfast option, which I will usually skip. Um, and then one of them is oftentimes a seafood option, which I will always skip for sure. So this week, um, we're left with four. It's a, a pepperoni chicken, a, a sweet potato-based nacho dish, uh, a prime rib dish, and a verde chicken. So what I've done is I've plugged in the macronutrients for those four meals um, all in a, a table here. So like pepperoni, chicken, protein, carbs, and fats comes out to 43, 46, 13. Um, the prime rib is 39, 49, 20. The chicken is 52, 54, 9. So I've got all those plugged in, and then I have plugged in to the left of that how many of each of those I'm ordering here. So I did, uh, I'll spare you all the details here, but I did 4, 4, 3, and 2 of these meals for a total of 13 for the week. So because I have, you know, seven days a week, two meals a day, but I have, I'm going to have one left over from this last week going into it. So, um, so then what it does is it calculates, okay, so for the pepperoni chicken, those macros clock in at 43, 46, 13, well, you're getting four of those. So your total macros there for that meal that you will ingest for the week are 172, 184, 52, just the, the per meal macros multiplied by four. And so it does that for all four of the meals and then it sums them all up. So the total of all the macros I'm going to take in from these 13 meals from Clean Eats for the week totals 521 grams of protein, 555 grams of carbs, 226 grams of fat. That's for everything for the week, which averages out per meal to 40, 43, 17. So, and again, if, if you're on like lower carb or lower fat um, diets, you know, you, you will definitely favor um, a couple of these meals over other ones. Some, some menus each week might be a little bit more challenging or a little bit more restrictive. You can go half carb, you can go no carb just to get a little additional flexibility in those numbers. So 40, 43, 17 is the per meal average based on the quantity of what I'm ordering. Um, and so I multiply that too. And so that brings my, my daily macro intake from these two meals to average out for the week is 80, 85, 35. So for me, that's good enough. So what I will do in the premium version of MyFitnessPal, because it requires premium in order to do this, but you can do a bulk macro ad where you don't have to go and search for a food or anything. 
but you're just like, okay, for meal five, add these bulk macros. And so what I did is for meal five, I added 80, 85, 35. Um, and then what I did is I just brought over my meals, uh, the other four meals. Well, actually, what I started off with taking my um, uh, meal plan that I had set for last Monday, which was the last day that I'd done this for, and I just copied it to today. And then I went into meal five, which is kind of like the placeholder that I have for this bulk macro ad, and I adjusted the numbers from last week's numbers to this week's numbers. So I think the, the protein was down a little bit, the carbs were up a little bit, and the fats were up a little bit compared to last week on that. So then I have my other four meals, which have been the same for a long time here. It's like, you know, eggs and turkey with cream of rice, a protein bar, um, and, and then two shake-based meals as well. Um, and I don't have them in that order necessarily, but I know what order I have them in and it's flexible. It doesn't really matter all that much. So, um, what I do, um, then is I will go and adjust the contents of those other four meals just to make my daily numbers add right. And my daily numbers after my update from my coach this last week were 300, 270, So, um, I had to, uh, the, the protein was a little bit lower on these meal plan, uh, meal prep meals this week. So I had to bring in some additional protein in meal one. Like I have, I have eggs and ground turkey cooked together there. Um, that was set at like two ounces of ground turkey while well, I bumped it up to four um, combined with four eggs as well. Um, my fats that I'm, I'm bringing in here from these meals are a little higher. So I had to drop down some fat. So I lost a tablespoon of peanut butter. And then I had an ounce of cheese in that morning meal as well. I dropped that down to a half ounce. Um, and then my carbs were a little bit higher. So I had a, a, a cream of rice serving in meal one that was 70 grams. I dropped that down to 60 and that was sufficient there. So that's all I really took. You know, it was pretty easy overall. No big deals there. That whole thing. So from the time I was placing my orders, figuring out how many of each meal that I wanted, and then plug those numbers into my daily average macro planner spreadsheet tool, and then uh, brought that bulk ad into my fitness pal and adjusted the meals that I had in there because I didn't make any changes to those other four meals as far as what they are, just the quantities and the portions here and there. But I kept the, the same basic structure in place. That whole process, I timed it yesterday, six minutes, 32 seconds. Pretty easy, pretty easy. And what this means is there are going to be some days where uh, my macros are going to be a little bit high. But there are going to be some days where they're a little bit low. The whole point behind this spreadsheet is it all averages out for the week, and the discrepancies are not going to be big enough that it's really, really worth tracking. Now, if you are four or five weeks out from a show, yeah, I mean, realistically, when it comes time for me to go into a cut phase again, I will probably stop doing this. I'll probably stop with a meal prep service altogether and just go back to prepping my own stuff, um, just because at that point... I think having, I mean, the, the macros are going to become more restrictive. It's going to be a little bit harder to work these in. I may try it for a little bit with some half carb options here and there, um, but still do like my own pre and post workout meals that are higher in carbs. Um, but when it comes time to cut, I'm not going to have a whole lot of carbs left over for the rest of the day. So it makes sense to just kind of dial things back a little bit and uh, be a little bit more predictable and consistent with it. But um, otherwise, like, excuse me, um, for, for maintenance or for a growth phase, super, super easy and convenient to do this. And because I'm averaging these numbers out, it doesn't matter what I pull from the fridge for a given meal because everything's going to balance out by the end of the week. You know, I, I, you can see it right here, the total macros that you're taking in from all these meals for the week. And then we're just dividing that by the total number of meals. And then we are multiplying that by two. And that's our bulk macro add. So the math is solid. The math is sound. Even if you don't understand how it's all getting calculated, you can trust that it works if you use this spreadsheet. If you wanted to explore this um, for using um, uh, macros from a meal prep service. There may be other... Um, 
other uses for this as well, um, but I can't think of any off the top of my head. Um, the, the idea here is you're, you're having meals that you don't have a lot of control over. You might have some flexibility and some options in how they're ordered, but you don't have, um, you don't have a, a, a large degree of uh, what? Um, what am I looking for here? Uh, you don't have a lot of say. And like, oh, well, I want a lower fat option here. Nothing like that. So um, it, it's really useful because it lets you, and again, I, all I have to do is remember, okay, what did I change on meal one, two, and three this week? Oh, yeah, okay, cool. That's the only thing I'm going to pull up my fitness pal for. Otherwise, I know my macros are on point for the week if I average them out, and there's no, uh, no concern, no concern for that at all. So it's just way, way, way easier, way easier. So um, – that's daily average macro planning. So uh, I hope it is useful to some people out there. I, I know it's very useful for me, but uh, nonetheless. Um, okay, so where are we now? We're at 40 minutes even pretty much. Um, a quick personal update for me. Um, what I've been working on, uh, not much. I've been training. Training has been going really well for the last week, actually. The diet's been mostly on point. Um, training's just been really great. Um, I had a client from out of state who was visiting in state um, last week, and she made the trip from uh, Nashville, where she was staying, uh, to Knoxville over here to hang out with me for a morning. Hi, Jenny. It was good to meet you there. Um, and that, that was fun. I mean, we had a good workout. We were kind of planning on doing legs, but um, I, I got there a little bit late, and I'm like, you know, for leg day, I need a bit of a warm-up. And then I was thinking, you know, what if we did back instead? Because one thing I know is that... Um, Back is one of those things where if you don't have like a ton of gym experience under your belt, back is a muscle group where you struggle a little bit. And so we worked through what would have been my normal back workout for the day. And I just took her through it, pushed her a little bit, threw some extra stuff at her. Um, and she handled it really well. And I think we really like made some serious breakthroughs in mind-muscle connection and engagement. It worked really well. So it was very cool there. Um, so that was, what, Friday. Um, we had family in town this last weekend, so my wife's sister and her family. So it was her, her husband, and their two kids. Um, they came up, and you know, as, as the kids get older, even though they're only a couple months older than um, the last time that they were here, still, it just gets a little bit easier each time. They're, they're less like little kids and more like, yeah, okay, they, they can manage themselves a little bit better. So there's 7 and 12, but um, it was good. Uh, it was a good visit overall. Um, had a lot of fun. We went out um, kayaking on the Tennessee River um, on Saturday, which was fun. Uh, I hadn't, you know, we, we live right on the river pretty much. I mean, you know, we don't have a house on the river or anything like that. I ain't that loaded. But uh, whenever I'm leaving home, it's like we get out of the neighborhood and then, you know, we're pretty much right on the river, which is great. And so we go five minutes down the road and there's a place where you can rent kayaks, which is cool. Um, and we've been here two years, never done it. So finally went out and did it. I'm like, Oh yeah, I should do this pretty regularly. I think, uh, it's, it's just really relaxing. And they, uh, they also rented a canoe, which, um, <laughs> they managed to turn over and flip and almost sunk it, which was hilarious. Um, the, the guy at the uh, back at the dock, he's like, yeah, I'd never seen that before. That was pretty impressive. Um, and then they rented a paddleboard as well. So we, we had a few of those, a couple of canoes. So it was good for the, the six of us that were out there. We had a good time. Uh, and then we went to this place to eat, which was, what was it? Cheers at Chodo. It's like Chodo Marina is where it was. Cheers. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was a, like a beach bar, basically. They had a really, really loud band for just guitarists and singers. They were really loud. There was no drums, no bass. Holy fuck balls, they were loud. They were really good, but we had to go inside to eat. I'm like, they're too effing loud. I can't hang. Um, the service was just awful. It was terrible. It was 
crowded. It was bit, they were slammed. It was slow as hell. We were there for like two hours. It was, <laughs> it was just really testing my patience. We'll not be back. There you go. There, there's your five star physique uh, negative endorsement for Cheers at Chodo Marina here in Knoxville. No thanks. Uh, <laughs> God. Um, and then Sunday, uh, what well, we went out to breakfast with them on Sunday, and then they took off from there. We came back home. I went and did a uh, workout, and then I crashed. It was useless the rest of the day. Saturday was a, a good day for shows, actually. I had um, uh, Sarah, Eric, and Rob were all competing on Saturday. Uh, really, really happy with the package that all of them brought. I've been working with Sarah for a long time through an, a long off season. You know, we've been doing a little bit of a cut, a growth phase, and then we did this pre-contest cut, and she is really like the poster child for, yeah, you're a little off, you know, growth phase, it's hard, you can be a little erratic here and there. And then I said, okay, Sarah, we're 16 weeks out. I need to flip the switch and turn into an effing robot. And holy crap, did she ever. It was like absolute perfection every single day. I mean, you know, a few grams of macros were off here and there, but it's like she went from struggling to get in two cardio sessions with her work schedule to nailing cardio two-a-days, six days a week um, for the tail end of prep. And I mean, she was just absolutely a machine totally killing it we did put the show off once um she was uh initially going to compete um end of june we're like let's hold off um there were a few things going on and I'm like i think we can do better if we wait till um you know the, the end of july and i'm really glad that we did so i think she got a second call out um but, but in a stack class, I mean, those Texas NPC shows are huge. So um, and, uh, for all I know, it's Monday morning. She might still be at finals. Um, it's entirely possible just because I know um, she didn't get out of prejudging until about 4.30, I think, or something like that. You know, bikini goes last. It's just, it's a mess. Those shows are so big, so big. So anyway, she did great. Um, Eric, I was really, really happy with uh, with him. He took third in his master's 35 plus for men's physique. Um, which was, uh, I, I was okay with that. I want to see some more pictures of the lineup. Uh, he acknowledged, he's like, I think I could have been second, but the dude for first was unbeatable. So <laughs> it, it's nice to hear that. It, it's nice to hear, you know, some really solid perspective and also just, uh, you know, it's, it's okay to think like, yeah, I think I could have been a little higher. Um, but you know, not be like, uh, you know, all aggro about it. So, and he's going on vacation, which might have a lot to do with it. He's going, he's going, uh, he's leaving in two days. So, and then, uh, Rob, so this is his uh, his his first time in the uh, competing in the continuous forty eight. He was up in Alaska before and did some shows there. And like the last show that he did, he took first out of one, <laughs> just really small show. So this is his first time competing like against some really good a good stack level of competition, which was great. Um, he was a little small, which you know he's, he's a smaller guy, um, but the most conditioned one on stage, which was great. So we were both. Really, really thrilled about that. So we are uh, evaluating options going forward for everybody. So it was a good weekend there. Good, solid week for me. Uh, Training-wise, diet-wise, guitar practice-wise, I am now um, slowly but surely easing into um, my lessons that I'm doing online. This is through guitartricks.com. Um, they just have a, a monthly subscription to their site. Uh, it's like 20 bucks a month or something like that. But man, I mean, they, they put you through like guitar fundamentals one and two, um, which is a little mix of acoustic electric. And you're figuring out like, you know, what the notes are, bar chords, you know, downstroke, upstroke, um, transitioning, changing chord positions and that kind of stuff. All stuff that I knew, but it was a good refresher. Um, and now I'm into their, their rock fundamentals one. Um, which is a different uh, instructor. And there's probably, in Rock Fundamentals 1, I think there's probably on the order of like 
80 video lessons in there. And then there's a Rock Fundamentals 2, which is just about the same size. So he's working on things like, you know, um, electric guitar, chord voicings, and, you know, what's appropriate there with uh, overdrive and distortion added in that you wouldn't necessarily want to play, like, uh, the same open chords that you play on acoustic. Like, you take out the ringing thirds, that kind of stuff. Um, which is useful for me, and it's stuff that I always kind of knew, but just intuitively, and it's good to actually have it taught, which is kind of useful. So, um, and then uh, into things like you know pentatonic scales, which I've been teaching those um, on my own, uh, teaching myself those. Um, I found the five shapes for uh, a, a minor pentatonic, and I'd been practicing those, and I found out last night I'm practicing one of them wrong. I'm like, that's why it doesn't sound right. Damn it, it's eleventh fret, not twelfth. Um, that was annoying. Uh, but uh, incorporating those and like creating licks around it, working in uh, hammer-ons and pull-offs, which I'd known that for a while, but my technique is improving on it. Bending, I'd known about that for a while, but my technique is improving on it. And actually putting together some licks and doing a little bit of improv work, you know, just in one basic uh, shape or one basic box on the fretboard and not moving around too much. But still, I'm like, oh, this is what it's like when you actually dedicate yourself to a practice schedule and stick with it. So um, I did have a, uh, I, I rewarded myself with a new guitar last week. I got a, uh, a, a classic vibe Telecaster, which is actually a Squire model from Fender, which is their lower end. But uh, I read all kinds of reviews and people are like, yeah, this should not have a Squire name on it. Like this is a really nice guitar. And man, um, I ordered it from Sweetwater and they have this, uh, this service where they, they do a 55-point inspection and setup on it, and you can tell. Like, it shows up. I had to tune it, but it's just the intonation is really good. The action is really good on it, and just the way the frets move. Um, the It's kind of funny, like, having a guitar that actually has a functioning volume and tone knob, whereas my old Squire Strat, um, you know, it was either, like, all the way off or all the way on. There was, like, no in-between. You, like, turn the knob, and it's like, yeah, yeah, and it's full blast immediately, and that's all there is. Okay, great. Um, but this one actually has, uh, the, the potentiometers actually work in it. Um, it's quiet. It has that cool Telecaster sound. Um, so it's cool. I like it. I like it. It's, it's fun to, uh, uh, play around with a quality instrument for one when, you know, this is no $2,000 guitar or anything like that. It's still, it's still low end, but based, uh, compared to what I've been playing for, um, the last 20 years off and on, um, it's, it's a big improvement. All right, and then lastly, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, uh, TV, just because you know, my wife and I we uh, uh, we we do watch a fair bit of TV. So for all you people who are TV snobs, and you're like, I don't have time for that. All right, cool, you're done. Peace out. But before you leave, 865-518-2974, um, call-in number. Uh, my voicemail box is empty right now. I have nothing out there hanging out for Friday. So you don't call me, then you're going to be subjected to whatever the hell I want to talk about on Friday. And you know what? Um, boy, what might we talk about on Friday? I don't know. I don't, it, it won't be fun though. I can promise you that. Uh, so there you go. Uh, Darren, your host of the podcast, The Drop Set, is threatening the audience right now. That's right. I am. Um, we're going to do another raffle as well. So, Emily, I have entered you into the raffle. I haven't done this in a while. We've been off from this. So, uh, if you call in and leave a voicemail and you hear it on an episode, you're entered into the raffle. And I'm going to give this one two weeks. After two weeks, I will draw a name and the winner will get some Five Star Physique swag from the shop online, which is already up there, by the way, fivestarphysique.com. Click on shop. If you don't want to call in, you can go, uh, you know, uh, 
adorn yourself with five star physique branded apparel as you see fit. So, um, TV update. Yeah. So, what are we watching now? Right now, we are about um, tonight. Probably, we will watch the season two finale of Big Little Lies, which has been really cool. Um, it's also funny, and this, this will be spoiler free. Don't worry. I'm gonna, all of this TV update will be spoiler free. Just so you know. Um, the show centers around um, five moms of first graders in Monterey, California. Um, and so, you know, it, it's, you know, there's like single moms, working moms, not so working moms, you know, th- those kind of things and just the dynamics between them and then all of the, the personal drama that comes from it. It's, it's, it's a show that has some humorous moments, but it's also at its heart very serious. Um, but it's, it's really well done. I think there are parts of it that are really well written. The directing and just the storytelling devices and mechanisms are just phenomenal. Absolutely love it. Um, the one thing that is hilarious is, you know, a lot of these scenes take place in a school cause all the women have first graders. Um, and my wife, the teacher, she's like, this is the most unrealistic school I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> she's like, the principal would not talk to the parents that way. The kids would not be allowed to do this. This is not what a school assembly looks like. And she's just like, <laughs> she is like the wet blanket of all the school scenes. It's hilarious. It cracks me up because she's over there just watching this like, Mm-mm. nope, 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 nope. <laughs> it's, it's and she, she digs the show as well. I think she's probably looking forward to tonight more than I am, but it's the school scenes that really get her. It's hilarious. She's like, that teacher would not do that. That would not happen. Nope. And I, I agree with her. And I, I've kind of embraced the the school scenes in that show as kind of a caricature, uh, a caricature of what would really happen in a school. But, you know, her, that's her life. So she can't really divorce herself from the lack of realism from it, especially since the rest of the show really try and, tries to, to ground itself in a, in a realistic element. There's no uh, part of this show that plays off like a farce, except for, I, I, and I would say it has more to do with the fact that the school scenes are poorly written um, from a realism perspective. It was not an intentional decision that they made or anything like that. It's just they put, yeah, I don't doubt that there, there are schools that have dumb people running them and bad teachers, but to have the level of incompetence um, and bad decision-making on display in that school universally is pretty, pretty comical. Um, before that, we watched Barry, which I had heard of before. Um, it was a, an HBO show. This is with uh, Bill Hader from Saturday Night Live um, and uh, Henry Winkler, uh, you know, the Fonz, uh, <laughs> is in it as well. So uh, the, the premise is that Barry is a hitman who goes to L.A. to pursue his acting dreams but can't really leave being a hitman behind, which honestly, when I read that, I'm like, that is a hilarious premise. Well, it is not. It is dead serious. It is a serious show that also happens to be unbelievably funny. It is so funny, but not in a, you know, Bill Hader on Saturday Night Live kind of funny. Like, it is sharply written. It is so incredibly well acted. The directing is cool. The storytelling is cool. The characters are awesome. Um, It is probably right now, it's top of mind because we just finished it a couple weeks ago, but if if I was going to recommend, like, you know, a random person came up to me on the street and said, what's one TV show I have to watch? I would say Barry, just because I have to think it's probably universally appealing. Like, regardless of your tastes, um, I think, 
you would enjoy it. And I think it, it has, although it's only two short seasons, 10 episodes, um, I think it has a place in like top 10 lists of, of my favorite shows that I've seen. Um, it's just so well done. Um, and to see the performances um, from both of those guys, Bill Hader, <laughs> it seems weird saying this from a guy who's on Saturday Night Live. And I, I read a comment like, you know, he's this is a guy who is who made his bones playing to the cheap seats you know, like over the top kind of stuff. And just the subtlety that he has in this performance and the duality of his character where he's he's a ruthless hitman who does not enjoy his job and feels guilty about it um, and wants to get out of it. And But he's got that side to him. And then he goes to acting class. He's like, oh, hey, he's like this timid guy. And I mean, he's, he's very much like he has a life that he's hiding from and running from at the same time. And the way he manages that and... It's, it's those points when he snaps, when he's in the more innocent world and he snaps um, and, and for acting purposes will channel his darker side and you can see what happens in his face. And it's like, oh my God, that guy is a serious actor. I mean, he really is. And then Henry Winkler has some incredibly powerful scenes as well um, for a character who, who, who's largely a comic character, but um, he gets some really impressive dramatic moments and um that show is also home to what is probably my favorite character in all of tv history at this point um which is noho hank and if if you haven't seen it you gotta watch it for him and if you have seen it you know exactly what i'm talking about just every second that guy is on screen is hilarious even if he's not doing anything just his very presence on screen is a riot it's just, uh, he, he drives me insane. He's so funny. Oh, my God. So, anyway, I had to pass along those two recommendations. Um, Barry, Big Little Lies. Barry is a resounding yes. Like, regardless of your tastes, I think you need to try it and give it a shot and give it two episodes. And if it doesn't grab you, it doesn't grab you. But uh, at that point, I will totally be judging your character and your taste in television shows. So, um and then Big Little Lies, I, I give that just a little bit more of a reservation, but I think if you're into dramas um, and you know don't mind um, dramas that go into some dark places um, and hang out there and have some really uncomfortable moments, um, then that is that is for you. And that is definitely, you know, we were when we were visiting um, uh, Oregon last month and with my parents, my mom, she'd heard something about that show and she didn't have the means to watch it, but she kept saying like, I want to watch Big Little Lies. I'm like, well, we should find a way to watch that. You know, I've, I've heard of it. I haven't seen it or anything. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so glad I did not watch that show with my mom. Oh my God. It is not a show that you watch with your parents. It is not a show that you watch with your parents, repeated for emphasis. Oh, my God, do not make that mistake. So if the opportunity arises for you to do that, you're going to take a hard pass on that, and then you're going to be like, huh, why was Darren so adamant about that? And then you're going to go back and you're watching and be like, oh, oh, that's why. Okay, that was a good decision. And then you're going to shoot me an email and say, hey, Darren, thank you so much. You, you saved my relationship with my parents. Um, because otherwise I would never be able to go and look at them and talk to them ever again. So thank you for that. So you are welcome in advance. Whew, that's all I got. That was a straight 58 minutes and change of me talking without interruption. Damn, feels good to be a gangster. I'm back. All right, so the raffle is on. Everybody call in 865-518-2974. I want your questions, your topics of conversation. Let me know what you want to talk about. You are the ones who listen to this. You are the ones who guide this show as well. So I'll check in with you again on Friday. In the meantime, peace out, everybody. Have a great week.